Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with... Jeff Rappaport. And today, guys, um, once again, we have Mike Cowper with us. Uh, this will be part two of our interview with him. Um, he's a fellow listener. Uh, him and Jeff were in a mastermind together. Um, that's how they first connected. Um, Mike is... Uh, He's been a he's been a long time listener, and he's actually going out there and using uh, these strategies. And so, if you haven't caught our last episode, go back and check that out. But we talk about kind of how he's been selling properties on land contracts and arbitraging the interest rate and arbitraging um, the uh, the purchase price. So he's basically these would be houses that he was he would be flipping otherwise, but he would, he would kind of make a flip profit on. And then now he's, he's, he's earning monthly, um, cash flow off these properties because, uh, he's structured them in a way, um, to sell them on a land contract and he's earning 11% interest, <laughs> which is awesome. Could, right? could you imagine Jonathan, if we could get 11% interest here in Utah? Oh, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Uh, our cash flow would be like a thousand, twelve hundred dollars a month. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. If any of your listeners get leads here in Metro Detroit, send them our way. Send them to Jeff, and then we can partner all together. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, on the last episode, Mike, you were uh, starting to tell us about a deal um, that you're working on right now, or you're putting together. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So, what happened was. <clears throat> I went to see a house. They wanted a cash offer. Um, you know, I read a lot of the buyings, I mean, the selling signs. And he kept telling me that, you know, uh, a speed sale is going to, is worth some cash to him. But he also told me what he turned down from other investors and what his actual thought process was on the thing. And he also gave me a lot of indication that he's going to be a headache person to deal with if I'm trying to assign it. Because that's our primary business model at Return Events Investments is wholesale. But, you know, I buy a lot from our company and I try to keep more of that passive. That's, that's been my personal individual goal for me and my family, not the business of return investments to get more passive income. Mm -hmm. That way I can just keep building that, you know, that water level higher and higher and higher. So, you know, everything's floating. Can, can we, can I stop you right there? Cause I'm curious. So you mentioned that you buy from your company. So your company's generating these leads. You're a wholesaler. You're, you're trying to create a wholesale deal. You, you then do that. And then you say, hey, wait a minute, I think this might make a good rental or passive income play. So you agree to buy it, do an assignment on that deal. So now it's now your property rather than the company's property. Is that what I'm understanding? That's exactly what it is. And a lot of people on our team are uh, compensated based on the actual you know, revenue generated from each lead, the net. Yep. So essentially what happens is I have to be able to match or beat the highest offer. Okay. The nice thing for me as an owner is I can see what that highest. Yeah, you get the cherry pick, right? So, 
Exactly. So, uh, right. In this, I think we had talked about a little bit in the past is, you know, my partner and I were getting ready to do our quarter, I mean, our annual planning session. And I think I've proved out enough of the model to have him interested in talking about maybe taking more of these down as an actual business entity. Sure. But right. I, I was the one that's willing to take the risk and the gambles on some of these things. And, and in the last call, we kind of talked about how I, I think I hit a home run. I mean, as long as the guy doesn't you know, go burn the house down and, you know, <laughs> Like got yeah. a, a down payment. Um, but even then I'm the additional insured, all this, hopefully all the proper precautions, but yeah, so I think that that's really what happens. I have to buy it at a, at the same or better price than what other people have offered and they've got to be a real offer. So, you know, awesome. we've got to make the new proof of funds or whatever yeah. it is, even though, you know, anyone can generate those basically for free. <laughs> so if, it, oh, so if you get an offer, clear. if if you get an offer real quick for 35,000, are you like, Okay, well, I'm going to pay $35,001. <laughs> I mean, if that was the game, I, I, I would literally just get it for whatever they, they, they put the best offer in at. If gotcha. it was something that I had. And to be honest, I'm probably more of a conservative investor <coughs> than a lot of our buyers are. So most of the time, we don't buy our own deals because our buyers, you know, they have maybe different exit strategies or different purposes for them, right? A lot of people are using the Airbnb model. I have not, right. What I have found personally, and this is before we get into the deal, obviously, but when I try to master and do too many things and get really good at a lot of different things all at the same time, none of them ever end up being any good. So I've really been trying to focus on, okay, I'm good at selling. How do I get better at selling? Let's add this creative tool to my tool belt. And I, I didn't want to say I resisted it, but I didn't jump head first in, you know, ready to break my neck on the bottom of the pool like I did recently. And, and just in the past month and a half, I've, I've bought four houses that I'm planning on selling a land contract. And awesome. I've gotten very aggressive with it because of what I've seen, you know, early, early indicators seem good. And worst case scenarios, I can either flip them or keep them as rentals. So the nice part is I have multiple exit strategy options. And the ideal one for me is I am tired of being a landlord and give my money to everybody else in Michigan because it comes back to property taxes. It comes back to property manager fees, which I'm happy to pay. I'm like, my property manager is awesome. Just there's a hundred bucks every month and I'm not getting, they are where if I saw a land contract, I can get interest on a higher purchase price and arbitrage the, the interest rates that I'm getting from financers. Right, right. Love it. <laughs> well, and it just, just to be clear, you mentioned someone last episode, Mitch Stevens, who's been around many, many years, does you know a lot of owner financing. And there was something that you mentioned to me that you know, he's got like 300 notes and he's like, I can't quite get past that 300 threshold because everyone starts cashing me out and, and I got to build it back up again. I, we probably should ask Mitch if, you know, this owner finance thing actually works because, um, you know, if you have 300 notes and they're bringing you three, four hundred dollars a month, uh, passive income, you don't own the property, you don't have maintenance repairs, you're not paying the ridiculously high taxes. Um, it might actually be a feasible strategy, and that's right. My access to deals the primary where I can get them at the discount is through our local market, yeah. right? I, I'm totally open to investing in other areas, but I get to see all the deals in Metro Detroit and I know which ones I can do. And in, in, in this particular market and the way it's set up with all of the different city requirements and whatnot now for landlords, I don't know if they're intentionally trying to squeeze them out or not, but I just ran the calculator and it just and it shot it in my face. Say, hey man, you make more money doing it this way. Oh yeah. yeah. And by the way, you don't have to do anything other than make sure your, your check shows up on the first. That's right. <laughs> Yep. That's awesome. Oh, 
that that's why I pivoted. Like I was all gung ho for just, you know, getting a bunch of equity built up in these houses. And, and I'm like, man, I want passive cash flow now. And this is the best way I think to do it in my market. But, but you're giving up appreciation. You realize that, right? I mean, you, you're not, if these properties appreciate, you don't get it. I do understand that Midwest Metro Detroit is not a, a notorious appreciation market. I mean, they definitely, it definitely has gone up, right? Since the crash, yep. everybody's gone up, yep. but it's not, you know, California where it's going yeah. up, you know, a 20 X multiplier. Like you're just a linear just market kind of getting above pre-crash numbers. Now. I mean, we're probably over them again, like a, a decent amount, but like we're just getting there here. Like our houses aren't super expensive, at least the ones that I'm investing and working on in and they're not super, they're not super expensive, but they're not going to go up or go down. Right. It's, it's the blue collar landlord rental district kind yeah. of for the most part. I don't want to broad brush it, but it, that's what it kind of is. Yeah. yeah. Linear oh, and, and you're not getting the tax benefit. Those are the two things you're giving up. The tax but, benefit is something that I might revisit in the future. Yeah. Like we had talked about um, the other night, yep. last night, and this, I guess is the second recording, but um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that is something that, right, again, I reserve the right to learn and get better and change my strategy. Yeah. Right now, this makes the most sense for me. But then you're right. In the future, when, you know, like Mitch is spitting off 100 grand a month in <laughs> passive income, I might find ways to use that money to depreciate in you no, know, right. buy new apartment complexes, whatever, yeah. where you get the depreciation advantage. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. But, yep. And it becomes, it comes down to what your business model is, what works best for you. And there's not maybe one exact best way of doing things. There's a bunch of different ways and they can all be pretty profitable. You have to decide what it is that's best for you and your business. Yeah. And I, and I would say that it's probably deal specific too, right? Where can you yeah. buy it at? What, what condition is the property in? Does it yep. need a lot more work to, to get it, you know, at least into rental shape? So it is, it, it, it's definitely deal specific. Well, and it's interesting you bring that up because uh, our next episode, we're going to talk about exactly that deal specific. Um, I'm always looking for new questions, new topics, right? And uh, I went searching uh, yesterday for topics and I went on bigger pockets and I found a topic and I think that we can look at this particular deal in like 10 different ways and you know, now try to figure out what's the best way. If we're always trying to make something fit in what we do and we only do one thing, then we, we got to move on quickly from these leads. So if Mike was just looking for uh, traditional wholesale deals. Um, you know, they better have enough equity. You know, the, the seller mu must take a discount and a significant one. And he's going to walk away from everything else that doesn't really fit that, that strategy. As we start getting more creative, uh, we can look at a number of different ways. We can start monetizing our leads better. That is so true. That's exactly what it is right now. I have a whole new, you know, portfolio of opportunities that I didn't have before until I, like I said in the last episode, right? Just get out there, look like an idiot for a while, be uncomfortable for a while, and then you're going to get comfortable. Like when I first got into sales, uh, my, my first boss told me, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable in sales. Yeah. And I've lived in that space basically ever since then. So I'm always sitting in that weird, awkward spot, just trying to get better. But that has allowed me to have a lot more opportunities. And I'm also open to 
learning, right? That's why I listen to this podcast regularly and religiously. And, and if you haven't, go back to day one. I said in the last podcast, I'll say it again. This is the best information on creative finance out there that I've seen. So I try to make sure I'm trying to expand my horizons, expand my knowledge. And that gives me expanded opportunities where a lot of people might miss them. And, and I know for a fact that I've had to have missed them in the past because I didn't know what I was looking for. Right. I don't know what I'm looking for. How do I find it? Exactly. Right. Yep. And, and let's be honest. I mean, all three of us are investors. Um, so your education, your growth is coming within some creative financing right now. Jonathan's as well. Uh, you'd be crazy to think that it, I'm not trying to continue to learn from people that know things that I don't know. Um, you know, to me in this business, you're always trying to stay, you know, you're always trying to grow and there's always someone that knows more than you. And, uh, you know, I just went to a mastermind group and truly I felt like I was one of the stupidest people in the room. So uh, you're in the right room then. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like to say that, but I was like, wow, this is over my head. Um, and I, it was a little intimidating, but that's how you grow, right? That, that, that's what's going to push you to get better. And that's what education is all about. You stop being educated, you get comfortable, you start losing, you start dying. Yeah. Grow all right, Mike, so let's talk about this deal. All right. So where do you want me to start then? What, what information should how, I share? How uh, you what, found it? What, uh, so how you found the deal? What, um, the details of it. Yeah. Yeah. So is it a single family home? Is it a, you know? Yeah. So we almost exclusively work in the single family space here. Um, <clears throat> it was a house that I'm trying to see how, which, which, by the way, I'm going to help get you out of that comfort zone too. Even if we have to do some stuff together, I'm totally aboard with going into the multifamily in different spaces. Um, again, it goes back to like when I try to do too many things that aren't focused in until I get really comfortable with them, then a lot of the plates start falling. So I am totally on board with expanding in that space. Like that's why I'm a part owner of a 40 unit building, but I just stroked a check and I just get a, you know, a quarterly disbursement, which is awesome. I love it. Here's the good <laughs> thing. I can help you with that and we can have a 15 minute conversation. So it will not get you so far off track at all. Um, and it will just allow you to deal with uh, hopefully getting bigger checks, more passive income and uh, more opportunities. My man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. Didn't yeah, no. So this came in uh, from our PPC website. They called in. We talked with her. Um, it was the wife that called in originally, but I ended up meeting the husband there. Uh, they have been owned the house for six years and they have never yet quite completed it. They are, she originally told us they're going to be moving out of state and they want to sell ASAP and then told us $65,000 was quote unquote, a starting number. So I actually pushed back on my lead manager a little bit. Go, okay, what does that mean? The starting number mean they want it to get bid up or does that mean that they're willing to negotiate down and she didn't have a great answer. So that gave me an opportunity to coach and clarify, hey, when they say that, say, what do you mean by that? Right? Here, here's a chance for you to clarify that question, give them an open-ended question to expand upon it. And that's usually when you find your gold in terms of the sales process. That's an excellent point. So I gave her a coaching opportunity. I, you know, 65 seemed like it might be a right, a right number because estimate on the house is like 120. So I'm like, I, cause I saw that lead coming in. She was talking at the coffee saying, go call this lead right this second. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not usually that, that direct and urgent, but I'm like, this looks like a home run. Get out there. 
Yeah, when you see something like that, it's like you jump on it, right? Right now, let's figure out if there's a deal here. Exactly. So yeah. she called him, talked to him. She's really great at building rapport. Um, I ended up going and meeting the husband out there, but they bought it six, hours, six years ago as an investment and have been slowly working on it and fixing it up. They said they were almost done. Not true. Um, <laughs> not that far off, but they said they're almost done and there's uh, some things that need to be finished. So that's kind of how the lead came in. Okay. Creative finance wasn't really even on my, my deck at the point in time because what they were asking versus what I thought it might be worth with Zillow. Turns out- It's a wholesale deal right there. Right? Yeah, it looked like a wholesale deal from the start and, and you know, quick cash makes sense uh, a lot of times and a lot of the deals that we like to work. But so that's kind of how it came through. Next step is I go out and visited him and let me move into that. Um, they aren't moving. They're actually snowbirds and come to find out the, the gentleman was with Homeland Security. So that's part of the reason why it took six years to finish the house up. He was working crazy hours yep. and he also became diagnosed with COPD. So yep. now he was having challenging time, you know, to breathe, things like that. And that got ultimately pushed him into a forced retirement because he couldn't, you know, stay on the job very long because of those issues. Same thing with the house. You're kicking up dust. That's a bad disease state. Um, unfortunately, I know about that because I used to be in pharmaceutical sales and one of my medications was specific to COPD. So I have a decent understanding for that. So I was, I was able to build some connection and bond there just talking about that and how you know, basically it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So he had told me about other investors that were out there. Um, he talked with one and, you know, apparently did research surface level says, if you have an assignment clause in your contract, you're a liar, cheater and thief, and you'll never buy a house. <laughs> Cause that's what the other person, said. but the other person did tell him that, you know, I, this isn't for me, but I'm going to try to wholesale it. So good for that investor for being honest and upfront about that. Yeah. I told him, so is that a deal breaker? Cause it's in our contract. I mean, I didn't, I didn't hide around. I go, it doesn't mean we're not going to buy it, but it gives us the option to find a partner and share it with them. Yeah. And either joint venture or maybe we just, you know, mark it up to them. They pay us the difference, not out of your pocket. Whatever we agree on still works. So he was a little bit abrupt about that. Didn't love it. And then started to be apprehensive to me. I pulled up my Facebook page, the Mike Cowper on Facebook. And uh, I just showed him the closings that I did literally like the two, three, four days before that. I go, this is the closing packages of an actual closing of me actually buying houses. So yes, I might assign it, but I also buy a lot of houses directly as well. So I have to depend, depend on the number we come up with, it might dictate what I do with it. Okay. He had another offer from somebody else, I think at like 50 grand, but um, they had a number in mind that he shared with me you know, after us talking, basically they wanted 57. And that sounded like that was a drop dead number. So Mike, do you have any idea what they paid for it like six years ago? Uh, I, my, my guess is you know, they're making like little to no money. Oh, they did. They paid very little. Yeah, but I think they took so much time. You know, I think they calculated every tax payment they ever made, every electric yeah. bill they ever made, right? So I need to get this out of it. No, I'm sorry. I'm, okay, fine. Whatever yeah. it is. Okay. <laughs> um, so... Essentially, I took down notes. I, my estimated rehab for the house to make it flip. You know, that was kind of the way I was looking at when, when in this particular area, the ARV was close to, like, say, 95. The challenge on that ARV was, though, it was a mix of three bedrooms and a two bedroom. This one could technically be converted to a three bedroom, but the bedroom would be behind the kitchen on the opposite side of the house of all the other bedrooms. So it would be a strange layout. But technically, you could turn into a three bedroom. 
but there was a two bedroom that sold in that same range. So I was a little hesitant on that 95 ARV. Long story short is I got, I had a few other appointments I was looking at. Basically what he said, the number I had to be basically at uh, 51.4 was my max allowable offer for it to make sense for me. Cause I was thinking, you know, 16, maybe 20 grand in work. That's cash. Spring market. Yeah. That's cash. The cash okay. That's the hammer. Okay. So I had other appointments. I told him I'd get him back to him an offer by the end of the next day, which was yesterday. But he sent me a text at like five. And I was just now getting back to the office to put in, you know, to do my urgent stuff that got missed because I was looking at other opportunities. And he said, hey, why didn't you get me an offer? Can you kind of just fill me in for education purposes? And oh, I should pull it up so I can find the exact text message that I sent back. But this might take a second. Essentially what I said is, you know, for the number you told me you needed for, it didn't make sense. And you also told me when I was at the house that you had zero interest in taking payments or doing a land contract. Okay. He came back and said, well, I, oh, that's what I said. I, I can get you your 58.8. Cause that was the, the <coughs> first number that he said 57. I think he would take for cash, but I go, I can get your 58.8. No problem. But you just have to be open to terms. Yep. And that's when I think it switched. Well, I don't understand what that means and what it looks like. And, and to be honest, I, he was a nice man, but he was kind of that know-it-all that wanted to tell you everything at the yeah. appointment. Yep. And then now that essentially I removed all of his power because I'm ready to move on. I don't care. I'll move on to the next deal, the next opportunity. He wants it out in 10 days. Like he wants to get down to Alabama. He wants yeah. to get out of this state because it's cold outside and he is old. He's got COPD. He wants to have some warm oxygen in his lungs, I believe. Okay. <laughs> So then essentially that's kind of what happened. And I go, okay, I'll put this together. Then I took um, basically the information that, you know, you guys have shared on this podcast and put together a three prong offer. And when I put that three prong offer and I'm, I'm entirely embarrassed to say this is I could not figure out and remember how to use my financial calculator because <laughs> I wanted to set it up in a structure where there's a balloon payment. So I ended up just copying out and taking the easy way out. I, I, I set up one offer and, and I can share with you here and, and please Jeff and, and John poke holes all through it. <laughs> but I, but I used your form that you put here. The, the first offer was land contract. It was an eight year term, 96 months, 2.5% interest. Um, I had a down payment of $5,000 and a purchase price of $65,000. Okay. So the monthly payment would be 690, 23, but in eight years, that thing is completely paid off. Um, let them know what the gross number would be at the end of the day, right? With all the taxes and payments, I think it was like 71 plus. The second option was- Did, the, does, does he have an underlying mortgage on this property? Free so and clear. clear. Okay. Yeah, and so what, that's what, why I went that way. And what, what do you think the property would rent for? Uh, let me pull that information up. And what, what, what also do you think it needed in repair costs? Uh, so repair costs, I think it was like 15 to 20. My, my exact number was 16, but I always like okay. to come like a $5,000 range okay. when I make my estimations. Um, the rent, according to Rentometer, sample median was 950, max was 1,050, uh, and the mean was 900. So I, I would probably put in that 900 to 1,000. Okay. I've noticed here in Michigan, at least, is usually you can get about a buck a square foot for rule of thumb, right? Sometimes higher, sometimes lower, but per square foot, and it's a 1,000 okay. square foot house. Okay, so, so right around 1,000 bucks a month. Would it make a difference if it's a two bed or a three bed? Would that make a significant difference? So when we ran it through Rentometer, uh, 
typically what I've seen is two bedrooms just scale on the smaller side. Like what you usually like a, a thousand square foot, two bedroom is abnormal here. Okay. So whenever I see that, I look, is there a way to turn this into a three bedroom? <laughs> whenever okay. I go to see that house. Okay. So it's abnormal. Usually like the smaller houses are two bedrooms, the bigger houses are three bedroom and you don't have to have that conflict in there. So to be on the safe side, it being a two bedroom, I might go, yeah, it's like more of that 900 to 950 range, but okay. 900 to a thousand is kind of where I think a rent rate would be at. So okay. I could potentially cash flow that not taking into account whatever the taxes and insurance might be. Okay. So let, let me ask you, and I'm, 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 I'm trying to pick this apart so we can one, help you too. We can help our listeners understand what we're looking at. Right. Um, okay. So we, we had a $65,000 purchase price. We decided on two and a half percent interest. I wonder where that came from. Disclosure. $5,000 down. Right. How did you come up with this payment? So the payment $690 and what did you say? 23 cents. Yeah. I did straight amortization over eight years. Okay, so, so it's paid off in full in eight years. Like okay, I said, I so forgot how my financial calculator it. worked. So I'd I'd usually want to put a balloon payment option in there. Okay, but I couldn't figure out the right number. All right, so basically, what you did, and th that's interesting because I don't get too many eight-year amortizations. Um, yeah, there's enough cash flow if I sold that land contract, I'd make two hundred a month. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, I'm trying to, so. Uh, about as hodgepodge as it gets, right? <laughs> uh, well, I'm curious. Let's see. Um, I'm trying to figure out the. Okay, so yes, yeah, so the six ninety twenty three. So really, what you did is you took eight years. What? What? Why did you choose eight years? I kept changing the term on my amortization calculator until I cash flow two hundred a month if I sold it again <laughs> on land contract. Okay. So, Damn, that's so, actually so, a really good point, though. I want I want our listeners just say that one more time, Mike. I just kept changing the terms until I found the cash flow I wanted. Because the way I think about it as a salesperson, right, is I'd rather start low and him push back somewhere else, like make it make it three percent interest. Okay, yeah. cool, whatever, right? <laughs> but if yeah. I start at five, I can't get him any worse than that. Well, exactly, and uh, and you do have some things that. Uh, you can modify here if he's like, well, I like the price. You're offering me more than what I was asking. But yeah, that's uh, from you. Yeah. And, and you know, that would be my response. That's why the interest rate's two and a half percent. I'm giving you more than what you were asking for the property. Uh, so I'm curious, where do you, how do you see yourself? What kind of cash flow do you see yourself making if he was to take this offer? All right. So my strategy would be to start off trying to then, you know, finish the work. I, like I said, 16 K, I, I wouldn't do that necessarily for a land contract. It's move in ready as far okay. as I'm concerned right now. Okay. Um, it's not cosmetically pleasing all the way through, like, you know, the hardwood. It's not retail. It's, yeah. It's not it, retail, but yeah. it's livable all the way through. No problem. Like the bathrooms were updated. The kitchens were already updated. Flooring's eh, in certain spots. It's okay. just kind of like mismatched different types of like laminate and vinyl kind of stuff that okay. they didn't put consistently throughout the house. Um, basement it's not completely finished but it's finished ish like you know a young couple would use the bar and entertain in there without doing anything to it so so there's a lot of opportunity there and yep. i could sell it as is but if i was going to flip it the way i was originally imagining it for a you know as a wholesale a flipper wants this it's you know too high for a cash flow rental unless you get terms so that's the kind of the way i was analyzing it. i was analyzing it as a flip for that 16k i would okay. probably throw carpet through there 
And so at, at, at this option, was it going to be a flip or was it going to be a hold? Because you, so you have option, for eight years, right? So. Yeah. so, yeah, this option would be me to then resell it on land contract to another buyer. Because it doesn't really work as a rental, right? Because, I mean, at that 690 that you, you talked about the taxes in Michigan being high, um, you know, my guess is, is it, it's probably a break even in terms of a rent or pretty close to it, especially if you had a property management company involved, right? So you're not looking at it like, um, hey, I'm going to rent this out and I'm going to make a cash flow or I'm going to try to wholesale it to someone else to make a, you know, to a landlord that would make a cash flow because there's really no cash flow, right? Correct. Not on that term, unless you're willing to eat a little bit because it's a, it's an accelerated payoff kind of plan. Well, certainly a great principal pay down. I mean, if you can own this property free and clear in eight years, that's a benefit, but there's not going to be any real net positive cash flow as a rental. Nope. So I yeah. ran it as a $95,000 sales price because on land contract, I've <clears throat> granted I don't, limited experience, right? Three in the past couple months, two months. Um, I figured I can push 95. I think I sell it right in that average ARV, not, not try to go higher than anything else, but right in the sweet spot that it seems to be going for, not have it fully renovated. If I can get the 11% on a 30 year AM, it's a 904 monthly payment. And they took all the taxes, insurance and all that. So I'm cash flowing right at that. I think 210 ish dollars, um, 215, but you're yeah. getting some money. You're certainly covering your down payment. So you'll make a little money up front, probably, right? Maybe mm -hmm. five grand. But you'll be paid off in eight years. You'll have that property free and clear. That's where the payday comes. You know, that, right. that deferred yep. nickel. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nope, that, I'm trying to think. Um, uh, let's see something. Um, so you're... Uh, your principal pay down is about um, $600. I mean, a lot of that payment is going toward principal, um, that, almost all of it. Uh, so probably about $600 a month, maybe not quite 600, five, 75 mm -hmm. is going toward principal. I, I promise you at 11%, um, at, you know, let's say $85,000, um, it is not going anywhere near, uh, that amount toward principal. Right. So you're arbitraging that payment. Um, uh, certainly the principal pay down is in your favor dramatically. And, and that's kind of the way I was hundred bucks cash flow. And that's the, the beauty of this creative stuff. And, and again, like I, I just kind of stumbled onto it because my calculator actually worked one day. And I'm like, wow, so <laughs> if I catch this in the right way or I structure it the right ways, it can look very similar on just the dollars and cents on an annual or monthly basis. But if you think about the entirety of it is if I can get a little head on the principal pay down here and maybe be, I don't want to say break even, I always want to make sure there's a cash flow there, right? Because that's yeah. how a lot of people got in trouble in the crash. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm cash flowing everything and in that way, worst case scenarios, the principal's getting chunked down real hard. And then my goal is to try and I have a weird love hate relationship between Dave Ramsey and Robert Kiyosaki, where <laughs> I love to snowball debt and then I like to lever up again and then do it again. Yeah. And, and snowball it down. Yep. Okay, good. All right. So that was option one. I, I certainly see why you would make option one. Uh, 
what was option two? So option two was a short-term land contract, uh, uh, purchase price of $58,000, right? The exact number he asked for. Uh, a down payment of $2,500. Uh, monthly payment of one fifteen sixty three, which was an interest-only payment. One fifteen. Yeah, one hundred fifteen and sixty three cents at a two percent, two point five percent interest, but it's an interest only payment. Yeah. The reason I did that again is because I could not figure out how to use my financial calculator because I, I actually forgot it at home, so I was trying to find one on the internet and it, yeah. I could not find one that made sense to me. But yeah. I wanted to find out a balloon payment essentially to to try and go that route. But I figured interest only might make sense, and I can always negotiate and discuss that later. Okay. But he'd be making one hundred fifteen bucks a month. And 2,500 upfront, but it's a two-year term, 24 two months or less. And the strategy on that would be to get it for very limited money into it, renovate it, and then flip it. Okay. I gave yeah. 24 months just in case. So kind maybe, of a short-term financing. Exactly. Yeah, right. So he can negotiate down. I don't want it that mm -hmm. long. Cool. Let's do it a year. No problem. Yeah. Or if he does give me 24, I mean, I could still then potentially follow the um, land contract sale process. Right. I would just need to get an underlying, you know, partner to finance some of that in that two-year term and be okay with that second position. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Did uh, you make a cash offer on this, Mike? The cash offer was $50,750. Okay. Did he accept any of these offers yet? I literally sent it just before Jeff and I talked last night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I'm going to bring back. it back. Now we're going to bring it back on the show to conclude this deal. Yeah. Cliffhanger, everybody. Well, I, I, I tell you, first of all, to me, that he'd probably like the first option the best. That, that's my guess. Or that's what I thought too. Or he's going to take, or property. he's going to take the cash offer. Um, uh, he's probably going to negotiate one of those two with you, or he's just going to say, all right, let's do this. Um, your option one is offering him more money than he thought he was going to get, and certainly more money than any other investor that's come through there has offered him. So, if he's totally price conscious, you know he's going to like that one. Yeah, and if yeah. he's like, "Hey, I just want to be done and you know wipe clean of this," then you know let's talk the cash option. Uh, to me, the second option is not going to work for him, um, mostly because. Yes, it's short term. And that, that's the kind of deal that I would want to make like, hey, it's six months or less um, where you're going to get a little more than cash uh, if you stay in it and make it so I don't have to go find money. And uh, But it's not a whole lot of money down. It's definitely not a whole lot of money a month. Um, you know, $115 in, in my experience most people don't care about right it doesn't make that big of a difference um yeah, it's not like so yeah so part of my thought process when i made that one is i told him i'd get him exactly what he asked for yeah so I just made that junker in the middle yeah no and that makes sense and that's kind of something that that i'd want to do too you know one of the things so you have private money right yes um and what do you pay for private money on on average that's a good question. I don't have an exact number. Um, cause I have two different fluctuations. range. So this one, right. For, for if, if I'm, if they're okay with me doing a, a land contract resale, I'm usually around like the six to 8% range. Or if I'm asking for a lot of money for a few houses, like, so I actually paid nine on my most recent. What, what if it's a small houses. amount of money? Small. Oh, small. Uh, I probably yeah. say like 5%, 6%. Okay. Average. 
So th th let's look at something. I don't even know if this would work because I've never, uh, this is the first I've really seen these numbers, right? But let, let's think if we can come up with like a second option that's even better than this one that you gave, okay? I told you I would try to help you out here. So I appreciate it. So let, let's look, this property's free and clear. Yeah. Is it possible that this guy needs some money out of this property to you know, get to Alabama um, to, I don't know if he's looking to buy another house, rent a property, just even moving money, right? Um, is it possible that he could use some cash? It doesn't seem that's the case because okay. they, he, he shared with me that they own property in Alabama. They own other properties here in Michigan. I think this one was just the one that got neglected and then he got sick. And okay. it was the one that just never got completed. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. And maybe this, and you would know this better because you've had these conversations. Um, you pick up on these things of, you know, motivation, um, you know, what are his needs? Um, and then trying to tailor, you know, offers to his needs. But let, let's pretend that maybe he does need some money. Okay. So here's a free and clear house, and we already know what you want to do. Um, you, you want to try to arbitrage this, most likely, stay in the middle and buy it on terms, sell it on terms, and collect the, the residual income, right? Yes. So what if we created the same price, 58000 and we offered him $15,000 down, way more than any other one, okay? That fifteen thousand is going to be borrowed against the property in first position. So you would go borrow that money privately at your five six percent. Okay, uh -huh. and first of all, is that a hard loan to get? Someone fifteen thousand on a property that's probably ARV of you know ninety ninety five. I could uh, probably have that before this sentence ends. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's super safe, like no risk. Um, let's say you were paying, um, I think 6% is what I figured. Simple interest. Um, so with a $75 a month interest only payment. Okay. And you're going to give this 15 grand to the seller and you're going to finance 43,000 to the seller in second position. So you're going to do a subordination and let's say that, um, we're going to offer, we could look at this a couple of different ways. We could do a principal only payment. We can pay him $400 a month on that equity, um, you know, for the course of the next two years to five years to until it's paid off. Or we could, you know, figure out a way to make him some interest on this. So 43,000, let's do a two and a half, let's do 36 months and let's, do 400. And the reason that I like 400 is now your total payment would be what? 475 principal and interest, right? The yeah, first, the, the, the private, the private mortgage of 75, 400 on the second. Um, that's certainly less than that first option, right? So now your cash flow will probably go up dramatically. Um, by the way, if he would look at taking this offer, how much money out of your pocket? I mean, the loan, none. Zero, right? Zero money down. Um, so let's see. 
So if we did this and just did a, a $400 a month payment, two and a half percent interest, simple interest for three years, it'll still pay down by that 43,000 would pay down by almost 12,000, $11,500 over three years. So he'll actually make more than 58,000. He'd probably make like 62, 63, something like that over the course of three years. I could expand it out. I could make it a five-year, a four-year, a two-year. But here's the reason why I like this. One, it's free and clear, so we can absolutely go borrow. You know, we can create that scenario with him. If he needs some money, yep, now he's getting 15 grand up front. We can borrow that. It's you're certainly paying a higher rate of interest, but it's such a small amount of money. It doesn't really matter. Right. We've yeah, kept don't don't trip over the pennies. I mean, the dollars to save pennies. That's right. right. So, but our total payment now would be 475 principal and interest. Um, you'd have $0 out of your pocket. Now, if you did uh, the arbitrage, um, now you're getting a much better cash flow, right? Cause you were making, we figured maybe $210, $15, paying $690. Here you'd be making um, $400, almost $500 close um, uh, so total. In that scenario then, right? Because there's that balloon, right? Yep. How would you structure the resale? Would That's you put the balloon way. in place in front of the other, the, the, the land contract buyer? Yeah, so the, uh, really, all the difference is you're going to sell it on a land contract as a wrap. Um, so it's going to, you're creating a new note. And as long as that new note covers the two existing notes, it's totally fine. Um, but here, what you were able to do now is get into this with zero money out of your pocket. You, there's no money for you to have to get back. Now, everything that you make up front is yours. Um, two, you were able to give the seller. You were offering them five grand. Five grand's all right, especially on a you know sixty thousand dollar purchase price. Now you were able to offer them fifteen. Second, you're able to offer them some interest and a cash flow that makes sense. You know, it's not hundred and fifteen dollars that really doesn't do you know doesn't do anything. Now it's four hundred dollars, um, and you know that's significant. I, I can pay them interest. And it's still paying down quite a bit very quickly. And now if I put this in place and I arbitrage it, well, all the money I get up front is profit. I'm, I just increased my monthly cash flow by, you know, significantly. And, um, and I'm still getting the principal pay down. Now, it won't be paid off in eight years, but is it still making sense? Could you could you extend this term to like a five-year term? Sure. It's going to pay down pretty quick. In five years, if you have 43000 present value, 2.5% interest, 60 months, 400. It's down to 23182 um, in five years. So... In eight years, it'd probably much be paid off too. So, um, you have some different ways that you can structure this, and um, you know, some some homeowners don't like the subordination. They don't like taking their equity in second position. But what what do they have to lose? I mean, I mean seriously, 
I don't think my lenders would care being in second position. No, it's not your lender. It's the seller. Your lender is going to be in first position. No, that's, I don't think they would care about being the second position on that, right? Even if I write the notes 50, I forgot the exact number, 58. Yeah, the note would be 43. Yeah, 43. So they still got 15 and there's plenty of equity to foreclose on for either of them. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, what's the difference? You know, Jonathan and I talk about this a lot. People get all worried. Well, I'll be in second position. It's like if I took out an equity loan for fifteen thousand. Yep. You know, what happens if your, if I don't make equity, that payment? My equity is in second position already. Right. That gets paid first, just like this would be. So really, the only thing they have to worry about is: Are you making that? huge $75 a month payment on this loan. And if they did have to foreclose, well, they already got that money, right? It's not like they're, they're behind or anything. Uh, so they're in exactly the same boat as they would be if they took out a loan on the property. Don't you love how Jeff can just come up with this offer? Just like, bam. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty impressive. And so guys, if, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I threw that second one in there just as a throwaway. Just yeah. so. <laughs> For our audience, if you're if you're trying to follow along here, what Jeff did is he just took um, the same deal, but he created terms to get more cash flow uh, monthly and to give the the seller more down payment and a reason to um, stay in this longer. So uh, and no money down on your part. Yeah, on your part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People all want no money down because of the subordination. So, yeah. um, yeah, I know, I know it, it can be kind of hard to follow along, uh, especially, you know, in a podcast format. Um, but that's, that's the beauty of being able to, um, play with the terms a little bit and that you have to know how to use a financial calculator. Um, so just practice guys, just try to, to use it. I, when you were saying that Jeff, I was, I was trying to follow along you know, as fast as I could punch numbers into my financial calculator, uh, just trying to follow along with you. And that right there is just excellent practice. Well, and, it, and it, sometimes it's my fault because uh, the, the way my mind works, and it's not like I'm a mathematician. I am not, I promise you. Um, my mother was a math teacher and she used to tutor me when I was in high school and I would get so frustrated. Um, I, I would just... I was terrible in college. I almost failed statistics, um, uh, but I know how to use a financial calculator, right? And I've tried to. I've I've done enough analysis of properties, and I have a direction of where I'm trying to go. So, hey, I'm just like, hey, would this work? Would this work? Would this work? Just like Mike did when he was trying to figure out the right amortization. If you have a plan and you've done this enough, it's like. Um, I have like three, four, five, six, seven, you know, different ways I can go on stuff depending on, you know, what's my exit, who's my potential buyer and you know, what's owed on the property. And then what will the seller be willing to do? If I know those answers, I have certain directions I can try to go in. So yeah. Mike just said, I don't think he needs the money. So this might not work for him. It really, it, it might not be a motivating factor. However, Maybe he likes terms, but he needs more money to move. And now all of a sudden, hey, five grand is might work. Twenty five hundred may not work. Fifteen thousand probably would work. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, 
What you just said there too, and, and what I would recommend everybody do, because I, I did this for a, a long time and if I'm being entirely honest, I haven't done it recently as much as I should, but um, everybody that you ever go talk to about an appointment or a house or an offer, right? Try and get their email address. Say, hey, look, I understand it doesn't sound like you're interested in my cash offer. I, I do some different types of options as well. What's your email address? Let me put some options together. And if they're interesting to you, let's talk about them. Yeah. But that's practice. Then you look at that house, you come up with three ops for every single one you ever even talk to or look at, and then you give it to them. And then if you do it enough, right? Unfortunately, as good of a salesperson as anybody might be, it's still a freaking numbers game. Yeah. So the more offers you put out there, and, and I don't want to say just, you know, you know sh sh scattergun, shotgun everything out there, a bunch of offers just for the hell of it. Make them good offers where you're putting the time and effort in up front to try and get to know and the seller and, and all of that. But there's also an element of practice. That's always tell people when you first get started, run every single appointment. If someone will let you in their house, I don't care if it's a Taj Mahal, go in there and make them a crummy offer. You're going to feel that sinking pit in your stomach and you're going to get comfortable being comfortable with it. Oh, exactly. I mean, isn't that exactly how you had to start in wholesaling where, hey, are you positive of what the ARV is? Probably not. Are you positive of what repair costs are? Probably not. Um, were you comfortable saying, yeah, I know you want 80000 for your property. I can offer you thirty-one. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, is that was you didn't start, you weren't born that way. You weren't born like, oh, yeah, I'm fine with doing that. Um, you had to start doing it. The more you did it, the better you got at it, the better you're able to figure out the ARV. I remember, Jonathan, this was probably two years ago. You said to me, hey, I'm trying to buy this house and I, you know, there's multiple offers and I'm like, I run my numbers and I'm way above all of them. So that she's going to take my offer because I'm way above all her other offers. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. You, you said, Hey, will you look at this for me? Yeah. And I'm like, your comps are off. Yeah. You, you, you went out of your boundary and, you know, and if you go out of your boundary, all of a sudden you could be in a much higher priced area than mm -hmm. you were. And you know, I think it made a difference of like $40,000, something like yeah. that. It was significant. Yeah. And it's only like a block or two. It's not like you went like a mile. But yeah, it was across the major street. That's what right. it was just across. And this, this street was just a block away from the house. Yeah. So, but it made a huge difference. I mean, all of these things, I mean, creative financing is no different, except that there's more that you can do with it, right? Yeah. So you don't have to to be an expert at, hey, I've got to figure out how Jeff did this simple interest. Do you know how I figured this out? I, I, I worked with someone that had another idea and what his goal was exactly the same kind of offer we just made for you, Mike, a subordination. That's what he searched out. And it, that's the only kind of deals that he wanted. And he created some software that you could just plug in the numbers. It's like, what kind of profit do I want to make? Um, you know, I can offer him three year, five year, 10 year, whatever. And he'd come up with like four offers. And one day I was just thinking, it's like, I like that, but I, I don't get too many subordination offers accepted. So I just started playing around with some numbers and I'm like, huh, I think I just created something. And, you know, rather than offer principal only, I'm trying to figure out a way that I can offer someone interest so I can show them they're going to make more money on their property 
but at the same time, I want the pay down to come down. So now I've been able to create a short-term owner finance deal where I can truly make them the highest offer and the shortest term. But you don't have to, just because I do it doesn't mean that's the only way to do it. I know people that make owner finance on, hey, here's my five-year term, here's my 10-year term. Pick which one that makes the most sense for you. Here's my principal only, here's my interest only. Pick which one works for you. Um, there's so many different ways of doing it. Don't feel like you got to be an expert at every single way. Jeff, you nailed that so much. That's not even funny. And that's the big thing. I think where a lot of people get hesitant, right? That, that, that starting block, right? The gun fired and they don't want to take off. Yeah. Don't make it overcomplicated because this can be as complicated as you want to make it. Like Jeff could put calculus around, I mean, calculus, calculus around us in terms of the way he could structure stuff that makes my head spin. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. there are certain sellers that that works for it. He's got the experience to be able to know how to craft that. So what I would encourage, much like I'm personally doing, right? And much like Jonathan, I think, right? Is yeah. that I am just starting to try it out a little at a time. So I'm comfortable owning it and then selling a land contract. I'm getting more comfortable talking about subject two. I'm getting more comfortable talking about how do I buy it on land contract. And then the more I understand it, because the more of the actual experience I put in, and then the more I understand how I can talk to sellers about it, it's all going to keep getting better and better and better. And, and when I said it earlier, I wasn't joking. Like, I'm on the freshman team right now. I'm trying to graduate to JV and then ultimately varsity. <laughs> and hopefully one day I go pro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that, that, that's the goal though, right? I mean, you start learning something, you try to start implementing it and then you get better as you do more and then you keep going and you learn more about it. Uh, that, that's the goal. I mean, I, I, I wasn't born this way either. Um, you know, I remember sitting in, I probably went to four $5,000 seminars that Ron Legrand did back in you know, 2001, two, three, and I kept going to the same one. It was a five-day seminar. I was like, oh my God, five days. And I remember asking a question, and my question was so stupid, he made fun of me in front of the whole audience. <laughs> they all laughed at me, and then they came up to me afterwards, and they're like consoling me. And uh, you know, <laughs> they didn't want to ask the question, <laughs> but I can tell you that you know, out of all of those groups, you know, I'm sure there's you know, I, I know people that teach creative financing. They're uh, they're Ron Legrand ex students. Um, uh, there's other people out there. Mitch Stevens definitely teaches creative financing. Um, Grant Kemp, who I just met, teaches creative financing. Well, I'll teach you creative uh, financing for five grand a day. Come on, yeah. <laughs> right on my website, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it's practice. It's practice. It's looking at deals in different ways and training your mind to start looking at things differently. Um, just did something where it, you know, the way that I learned real estate is that you're instead of making everyone fit into what I need them to fit into, be a transactional engineer, look at properties in different ways and try to fit solutions for the seller's problems. Monetize your leads. That's gotta be your title, the transaction engineer. (laughs) I mean, the way you frame it, that's actually exactly right. Is, you know, I had a hammer. I was good at sales. I could get to cash, but now that I have more tools, I'm not great at, I'm not even close to great at yet, but I'm finding and uncovering and changing deals that were basically wasted marketing dollars previously into actual money. Well, and we've talked on both episodes that we've done with you, Mike, that marketing costs are increasing. Competition is increasing. Um, 
you know, I, and I've talked to you about this. You don't mind being in a bidding war because you feel like you're the best salesperson out of the, the group. Um, I don't love being in a bidding war because a lot of times we don't go on appointments. Like we, we don't go meet the seller face to face. We're trying to do this all over the phone. So I'd rather not be in a bidding war. Uh, but what I'd like to do is say, hey, I just whipped up three, four offers for you. Um, they range from 300,000 down to 200,000. I want you to pick the one that best fits your needs. And um, people like that. People that, like that's that. The beauty. That's the beauty of creative financing is you do not have to be in a bidding war against these other cash buyers. If they're, they're going to offer $50,000 and your offer price is $65,000, you just blew them out of the water, especially if they don't need, if your seller doesn't need the money up front right now, right? Right. That's, that's the beauty right there. Like you will not be in a bidding war if you learn how to structure terms like this. Um, and it and that scenario fits their needs, right? Yep. Well, to think about this. That is, here's what I think as a salesperson too, right? I've opened an opportunity again to talk to them after they get all the other bids in because now I've given them something to ponder. Oh wait, I have a question about this. So what were your other offers like? Mm -hmm. I can ask that question right up front, yeah. and they can say, "Oh, here's what the cash offer is. It was higher than yours, but these kind of got me interested." Yeah. So now I have the opportunity to get back to what I'm good at personally, right? As a salesperson, <laughs> I can uncover, okay, so what did you like? What did you not like? Because, oh, by the way, these are totally, I don't want to say, I wouldn't tell them it's totally pulled out of the air, which these ones kind of were, but essentially these can be adjusted to make sure we fit each other, make it a winning situation for everybody. You yep. need more money? You want 70 grand? Cool. Give me 15 years. You care right. about that? Right. Yep. There's ways to manipulate everything because I'm looking for cash flow. I don't yep. care about equity. So the, does this guy live in this house of your example? No, nope, so he never lived there. It's been an investment property that he never got finished. Okay, so it's a rental. So Never even rented it. Uh, well, oh, wow. but, but it's considered a rental, um, tax purpose-wise. Yeah, yeah, investment property either way. Yeah, so you know, the two things for me, for owner finance, and that's why people keep thinking well the market's so good why would anyone possibly take owner financing right now well market's so good why would anyone discount right now uh, yep why aren't you out of business mike because you got to buy cheap um you know th there's never any kind of motivating factors right um but think about this owner financing really provides the seller with a number of options if, if I own rental property, guess what? When I sell it, I got to pay back my depreciation. I'm going to have a tax bill. The longer I've owned it, the more money I'm going to have to pay back. If I do owner financing, I'm not going to get a tax break, but I can spread that tax burden over the course of the term. So now I don't have a big tax bill. I pay it as we go. So sometimes it's better to do it longer than shorter because I don't want to have that tax bill. Second, what are you going to do with your money? On something like this, if I'm not doing a 1031 exchange, with, I'm not buying more rental property, right? I don't need this to go put down on a down payment for a new house. What am I gonna do with this money? Put it in the bank? Great, what are you earning on the, your bank right now? 1% if you're lucky? Um, <laughs> yep. Even my two and a half kills that 1%, right? 
Um, are you going to put it in the stock market? It's been a little up and down lately, hasn't it? A little roller coaster kind of that in the news. It sounds like we're heading toward a recession. Is that where you want your money? Um, so all of a sudden, it's like, what better place to, to make money on your money than the investment you're most familiar with, this property? Yeah. I think that's a great note to end this on. It's just there's ask those open-ended questions and, um, you know, open the door to further opportunity. Yeah. Mike, it has been such a pleasure. I do appreciate your time. We went way longer than I told you we would. So um, I apologize for that. I have gotten so much value out of this podcast. And, and again, I'm sure you guys will talk. About, if you are listening to this right now, please share it with everybody you know. Give them the best review possible because um, I think more people should be listening to all the tactical and, and advice that's a part of this because it has helped me get to where I'm at now. So yeah. um, I appreciate you having me on. to say this, by the way. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you having me on because what I, I just got an extra second option that when this guy maybe says, I don't like any of those options. Oh, what about 15 grand down? So I've, I've got a, a, another last, you know, hurrah. You might want to call him right now. Wait, wait, go. don't take one of those. I got another one for you. You got to think about I was talking to my bros over here. And, uh, he said I'd give you 15 grand. <laughs> awesome. awesome. We do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to chat because um, I think that we should start doing some work together uh, on two things. One that I'm going to show you how you can start wholesaling this this owner finance where you can monetize your your deals even more when you know, they don't work for you. And absolutely, we're going to help break into more multifamily commercial because that's where the real money is right now. I can't wait. Thank you. Good. You bet. <laughs> cool, Mike. Thank you. We appreciate your time. Okay, guys. Um, that concludes this episode. Um, Guys, if you want to reach us, we have a creative financing hotline, and that number is 877-409-8090. You can leave uh, any questions you have or comments there, um, or if you're interested in any of Jeff's apprenticeship programs, you can reach him there and just mention that you're interested in the apprenticeship program. He'll reach out to you directly. Um, we're also on the web. You can catch all of our episodes at uh, thecreativefinancingpodcast.com and on Facebook at The Creative Financing Podcast. Okay, guys, <laughs> until next time, go out there and create some terms. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.